She leads, she thrives. The home of inspired conversations, practical and creative wisdom, expansive leadership and business insights, abundant braggadocious moments of celebration, and useful info you can actually do something with. You'll hear about mindset, marketing, money, magnetism, self-awareness and the Thrive Factor framework, its archetypes and more. Amplify your role as a leader, a self-led soul. Tap into your effortless success zone. Turn your ingeniousness and wisdom into profitable income streams. From solo shows to guests you'll definitely want more from, there's something for every ambitious, ingenious soul. I'm Shannon Dunn, a true OG of the business coaching space with an obsession with thriving. You are so welcome here. Let's dive into today's episode. This episode was brought to you by the Thrive Factor Coach Certification offered by Thrive Factor School. The certification is a unique, immersive experience into professional coaching and developing proficiency using the Thrive Factor framework and its 12 female-centric self-leadership archetypes. Being a Thrive Factor Coach offers a unique gift of personal transformation your clients will be filled with gratitude for. This is a genuine opportunity to engage in a world-class personal and professional training experience and become part of a community of impact makers as a licensed Thrive Factor Coach. To find out more, email hello at thrivefactorco.com. Fabulous. Hello, everybody. I am very, very excited today to share our new guest with you on She Leads, She Thrives. So I'm Shannon Dunn, in case you haven't listened to the show before, a business and leadership coach with a long-term history in coaching. Uh, I absolutely love hosting these conversations, but we have something a little bit new for you today. So I never said when I launched She Leads, She Thrives that we would only have female guests, but I never kind of I kind of, I did know who I wanted to have on in terms of the kind of individual I wanted to invite. And I knew and trusted that the right male would appear, as you have done, Curtis, um, and um, just stand out as the individual to, I guess, hold the mantle of the first male guest on She Leads, She Thrives. So no pressure, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let me tell you, like, no pressure, pressure, uh, as I always do about how I know the guest and why I've invited them to come and join us. So Curtis and I met, we were just timeline this, didn't we? It was kind of about the April, like uh, March, April time of 2021. And I said, you you were like, oh, is it 2020, 2021? I was like, I know yeah. I can timeline this because I vividly remember we were in a group together with a coach we've both done some work with over kind of a couple of years. And it was probably your intro post in that group. And you were sharing a bit about your family and probably a, a picture of your fa- you and your family. And you were talking about, doing things differently in your business and the fact that you were it had an impending new arrival, like your second son was about to be born not long after that. And I, so that's why I vividly remember. So this has been our <laughs> timeline. We knew it was 2021 because he's two, two and uh, a bit now, right? Exactly. <laughs> the family. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is great. But over the time that I've got to know you, one of the things I have loved so much, and I've shared this with you, is that you've come into a space in the online business world that is predominantly full of women, yeah, which yep. you don't often see. Like often anyone who's listening to this that is in business, whether you're male or female, you'll know that when you tend to spend time in online groups and in online communities, they are often dominant in terms of gender, right? You, you know, women yes. women in business kind of groups and men in business. And it's, it's not that we, we have co-lead groups as well. We have groups where everyone goes. But... In a lot of the women in business groups, they often, they don't exclude, but they don't tend to attract men to come into them. And sure. you just kind of showed up and like, yeah, here I am and I want to learn. <laughs> and I think at one point I said to you, I just love that you just, you, you who you are. Like there's no pretending to be anything, not that you need to be. Yeah. But you're like, why would I not be in a space like this? I've got so much to learn. It doesn't matter <laughs> someone's gender, right? <laughs> Which yeah. is very, very cool. And you've, as I said, you just stood out to me as someone who was different and now you have a different vision. And then when I found out more about your story, which I'm going to ask you about today, it was sure. like, yeah, he's a genuine guy. Like he's really yeah. here to make a difference. So let me share your 
professional bio as a little bit of introducing you and then we'll get stuck into some questions and see what kind of conversation we create today for this episode. So Curtis Tyrone Jones is a nine-year depression survivor, a veteran, an emotional alignment life coach, motivational speaker, author of Guru in the Glass and has been featured by, just wait for it everybody, Oprah, Calm, Goldcast, Yahoo Finance, Parade Magazine, Power of Positivity, Yahoo News and Cosmos Top 100 Quotes. How's that for a list? (laughs) (laughs) I love that you've included all that in your bio because some people wouldn't. They kind of shy away from claiming all of that. So I I love it. But let's start right with the questions and let's go right into your experience of depression. You said nine years. That's a a long time. I know for some people that, you know, depression is a lifetime experience, but nine years is a big, big time. So tell us a bit about your story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, um, I think it all started for me. I was leaving for, I was leaving home, um, for college and I was on the track team. I was on the track team, uh, at, at, uh, James Madison university. And, um, I was running close to four minutes in the mile and I was trying to go pro. And what ended up happening was, uh, you know, I ended up getting three stress fractures in my shin and my whole life, my whole world was built on sports. I was an Olympic development soccer player. I was, uh, you know, second in the state for track and, and all this stuff. And back then people weren't talking about depression. They weren't talking about, um, you know, this was all the way back in 1998. Right now it's a buzzword. Even if you've never been depressed, you know, someone who has, or you've heard about it on social media or TV or, or, or whatever. But back then no one was talking about it unless you had a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a therapist or, or something like that. And so I had no idea what was happening to me. I just knew that I left home with these big dreams and high expectations. And a couple of months later, I could barely get out of bed, had no clue what was happening to me. And it just completely knocked me um, off my feet. And, um, and it wasn't just like some minor depression, like it, it, um, you know, I ended up dropping dropping out of school. I think I had a 1.8 GPA. I went home. I'm staying with my parents. My dad's asking me um, if he needs to put me into a psychiatric home because I could barely, I couldn't function in society anymore. I would sleep all day, like 15 hours a day. Um, couldn't keep a job. It was just, it was just very a very hard time. But through that, through that experience. I ended up getting some 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 coaching that radically changed the way that I relate to myself, the way that I relate to others. And, um, you know, and thankfully, I found my way out of it. And I can still remember the day that mm-hmm. I came out of this depression. Um, I had worked with my counselor for two years. He was an amazing, uh, amazing coach. He was not a therapist, but he just knew he knew he had helped a lot of people out of depression. Um, kind of like what 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 I do now, you know, and um, and so and so he would always tell me, Curtis, you've got this self love stuff. You have it with your head. You've got to get it in your heart, and you have to get it way down deep in your guts. And I really didn't know what he was talking about, um, but but I I didn't, but I knew that I wanted what what he was what he was talking about. I just didn't know how to embody it. And I was back in school on the West Coast, out in California. And um, I was walking home from class one day and this girl comes up to me and she says to me, she says, Curtis, I, I just saw you like 45 minutes ago and you looked like you were on top of the world. Like what could have possibly happened in the last 30 or 40 minutes? Like now you look like someone shot your dog. Like what could have possibly happened in the last 30 minutes that you've gone from being up here to being like like this? And I, I honestly didn't know what had happened. Now I know that I was just having a highs and lows day. And those can be very normal for people who have depression. And, um, and um, on the outside, nothing had changed. But on the inside, my depression had come back. It was that simple. And I was walking home from class that day and I got to the parking lot and I was getting ready to go up to my dorm. And something I was saying, I was having this argument, this internal argument with myself. And I said, man, I know there's a way out of this. I don't know how I'm going to find it, but I know that, there, you know, I've had all this good counseling and I know that there's a way out of it. And this thought just came into my head. Why don't you try not judging yourself simply for 24 hours? Wow. <laughs> just for 20, not, not for a year, not for a month, not for a week, just for one day. And I, I thought to myself, 
um, you know, because let's say I'm having this conversation, I was having a conversation with you. What, mm -hmm. what would be going on in my mind is I would say, I would think everything is fine. I'm having this conversation with you. Then I walk away from the conversation and then my mind starts saying, oh, why'd you say that to Shannon? You said, you shouldn't have said oh, that. Okay. You should have said this, right? So I'm constantly beating myself up for a week or a month. Mm -hmm. Right. Until whenever I see you again. And then when I see you again, I say the very thing that my mind told me to say. And then my mind says, I, I think everything's fine. And then I walk away and my mind says, oh, why'd you use that tone of voice? You shouldn't have said it like that. You should have said it like this. And so no matter what I did, the bar was always getting pushed up just a little bit higher and out of reach. And so I constantly felt this um this putting myself down and beating myself up and 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 self-condemnation and criticism criticism and all all these things that 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 you know and so and so i said okay i'm gonna do this little experiment to see if i can just go for a day without and if a thought comes to me where i'm putting myself down or beating myself up i'm just gonna let it come and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to say, not today, Curtis. Maybe I'll get back to beating myself up tomorrow. But for today, my mind is going to be a judgment-free zone. And so I did this experiment. I woke up the next day feeling so good that I said, okay, another 24 hours or you know, just for one more day, I'm going to do this for one more day. And I'm not going to you know, judge myself. And that experiment worked so effectively for me that the first day of that experiment became the last day of my nine years of depression. That's incredible, Curtis. And yeah. I love that, as you shared, that it actually can be that simple. It can be that simple. But you also gave yourself goals that feel like, to me, listening were achievable. Yes, stretching, like yes. But 24 hours rather than I'm never going to judge myself again. Right. Forevermore. Right. Like right. that's, I think so many of us put ourselves in a space of self-sabotage, failure, all those kind of things because sure. we've such big goals yes. that are way out of reach when our reality has been so different, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That is huge. That, that's huge. Like we set we set up these things and we're really looking, we're a glutton for punishment or we're really, yeah. you know, buying into a lot of disappointment because most likely we're not going to reach that right at this point. So this was something bite-sized for me and something small. And even today, you know, if I were to go back and, and do it again, uh, you know, it wasn't about the 24 hours. It was really just about giving myself a break, any kind, even if it had just been five minutes, that would have been a massive break for me because I was in this perpetual cycle of constantly beating myself up on the inside. And no, a lot of people wouldn't have known some people who were more perceptive like that girl um but a lot of people wouldn't have even known that I was doing this to myself yeah. and you know I think that in like my experience of working with people for a very long time you may yeah. or may not be aware my background includes counseling and therapy as well as coaching and lots of kind of things uh, and also my own experience with friends and loved ones that Mm -hmm. On the outside, so many people that have a variety of mental health experiences and challenges, issues, whatever yep. words you want to use, no one would ever know. Yep. Like the yep. silent suffering, yep. you know, the silent yep. pushing through, the silent putting a brave face on and showing up while on the inside, a whole yep. other narrative is playing out like you've shared. Yes, yes. And a lot of times we don't even recognize ourselves that this conversation um, is is going on until someone yeah. awakens us to it because we just we've been swimming in it for so long that we just think that this is this is just how it is right yeah. but once once you know you get with somebody who's very perceptive and who understands the internal conversation and that the internal conversation can definitely change for the better over it doesn't have to be overnight. It happened like I tell my clients, you know, just because it happened like that for me doesn't mean that it's going to happen like that for you. However, because I'm aware of these conversations that are going on inside of people, I'll get right into the midst of these things and start untangling all of these things that they don't even know that are happening. Right. And so I let them know that even though it might not happen overnight, like it did for me, because really it didn't happen overnight. It took nine years for me yeah, to get right. to that point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But but, um, you know, it, it can happen very, very quickly once you get a framework for what you're supposed to be doing in order to relieve yourself um, from from a lot of the 
you know, a lot of these um, inner conversations that are that are playing out in, in, in this kind of a way. And I do want to ask you about some of the things people can do because we're all about like, let's be practical here. Yeah, but absolutely. But before we do that, at what point then did this, it sounds like this too then set you up for what you ended up doing from a career perspective and then now led to you being in business. So, you know, yeah. what did you, I mean, aside from the track stuff and the, the athlete, yeah. what did you think you were going to do? Was it different to what you ended up doing then? Wow, that's a great question. Yeah. yeah I, um, I never... Um, so at like once the sports things was off the table, I ended up, I ended up going into, um, uh, you know, I was sitting, I was sitting on the couch one day and I, now that I had dropped out of school with a 1.8 GPA knew I wasn't going back, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what in the world am I going to do now? Because <laughs> like, you know, I don't have school anymore. I don't have sports. I don't have any of these things. And I'm like, I, I have nothing. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but but, um, you know, so I'm sitting on the couch and then I just happen to turn on the TV and the commercial comes on, let the journey begin with the Navy. And so, and so I didn't even ask my parents. I jumped, I took it as a sign from the universe. I jumped straight in my car. I went straight to the, to the recruiting office. I said, what do you got for me? They said, you could travel around the world with us. If you ever want to go back to school, we'll help you pay for school and we'll teach you some kind of trade. I ended up becoming an x-ray tech and a medic with, with the, with the Marines, even though I was in the Navy. And so, and so, and so I just said, okay, where do I sign? So I just signed up. I was probably the easiest uh, easiest recruit they've ever, <laughs> they didn't have to do any convincing. I felt like it was my only way out at that time. And so two months later, my dad calls me up. He says, Hey, are you still going into the Navy? And I'm thinking to myself, dad, you were in the military. Like, why would I not be like, I signed up two months ago. I already signed on the line. The recruiters are on their way over to the house right now. Like, of course, I'm still going into the Navy. He says, well, why don't you turn on the TV? And I was like, all right. So I turned on the TV that was the day that the planes hit the towers. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. And so I had no idea. No one did. They just told me, they just told me, hey, you know, like uh, your day to go, I signed on the line. They said, hey, your day to go in is going to be September 11th, uh, you know, and, and like, which was like two or three months away. And I was like, all right, you know, so this is, this is great. And then on that day that happened. And then the, when the planes hit the Pentagon, which was only about, 15, 20 minutes from my house, the recruiters called me up. They said, they said, um, they said, um, you know, obviously we can't come today. Oh, All the planes are down. We'll be I back tomorrow yeah. to put everybody on buses. And then they put us all on buses and we went to boot camp the very next day. But to get back to your question, that's a long way of saying, you know, I thought that I was going to be a career, uh, a career military person at that point. Before that, I had no plans of going into the military. But once I got that sign from the universe, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm going to start over and, and get some traction and stuff like that. So I thought that I was going to be a career military man. But then, but I just started getting a vision to go back to school. And then once I got to school, I started thinking, you know, um, you know, uh, I definitely want to help people. I definitely want to help people in and once I came through my depression, that's when it was like, I really want to help people with this. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was yeah. such a profound experience for you. Yeah. I think yeah. It, in many ways, the phrase that's coming to mind is that would have been a waste if you hadn't yeah. used that experience because there is so much richness when you can support people when you've had your own lived experience. It's not necessary to successfully help people but, but it's I think, powerful yeah it's powerful the relatability the you know your clients getting to understand you do know when they say this is how I feel this is what's going on this is my yep. inner dialogue because mm -hmm. you actually have had your own lived experience of that yep yep and when I share the story of what I shared earlier about the inner conversations that I was having that clicks in with them so quickly because oh, they're I'm, like that's my life I'm, I've been living that for 15 years, 20 years. Like, mm -hmm. however, like you're telling me that I can turn that around. And I just say, look at, look at what I did. You know, mm -hmm. like my dad was going to put me in a psychiatric home, mm -hmm. you know, and, and here it is that now, like, um, you know, I've been able to, to turn that around, uh, turn that around. It's that transparency and that connection 
that that allows me to really connect with people and let them know it, it gives them hope it gives them a lot of hope you know yeah definitely I find I don't know if you've had the same observation but more so in the more recent years in business I'm seeing a lot more of us in this business space sharing some of their mental health experiences more than mm-hmm. I had ever seen previously and as, as we both shared and you you highlighted earlier on we talk about mental health and mental yes. well-being so much more than we used to thank goodness you know yes, it's exactly. part of our everyday narrative globally now for so many yes. of us I think that's it can only benefit the world yes. um, but I it's been interesting to me sitting in the kind of a, a seat of observation seeing so much more talked about through from through those who are in the business space yes um, and also then we talk about mindset, we talk about our self-talk, we talk about self-love, imposter yes. syndrome, comparison, you Ooh. know, all of those things, right? And there's yeah. many similarities um, in terms of what does go on in the mind yes. and yes. in the belief systems, yeah? So with that in mind and the fact that we're likely going to have mostly business owners listening to this, if someone's sitting there and they're having that kind of judgment, that, you know, that, that party that can go on and be really noisy, Getting sure. in the way of what they're trying to do. Sure. What are some tips? What are some things that people that you would share with people that can get them back into, you know, the emotional alignment? And also, you tell yes. us what emotional alignment is too, because I think yes. some people might not be familiar with that term. Yeah. So uh, the way that I use emotional alignment, uh, we hear the word alignment, you know, in so many different ways, and I think it's such a great word because you know it really, it's really something that's very visual. You know, like I'm going to the chiropractor, and the chiropractor is getting yeah. me into alignment, getting my spine into alignment, and it and it really stacks up in that way. And I feel like emotional alignment for we, for me, the way that I use it is really get. Um, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect or that we never get sad or that we never get angry or that we what it is for me is that is that being in a in a place where we have the tools and the resources in order to be able to um navigate back from the place of any unwanted emotion from wherever we, from wherever we might be so it doesn't mean i'm never going to get sad again it doesn't mean i'm never going to get upset or angry or or any of these things it's not about that we have all of these emotions all of these things are are very good the problem is is that when we get stuck in in a certain when we get stuck in certain emotions and we feel like we can't get out of those and then like some what I say, uh, you know, a lot of times people ask me, what are some quick tips? And obviously we know we know that nobody gets, this is not a quick process, but it can be relatively quick once you get a framework. And what I tell people is there's there's these three, this, this three tiered framework basically of radical acceptance of self, radical acceptance of situation and radical acceptance of others. So as you know, with my own story, I needed radical acceptance of self because I was beating myself up so much and criticizing myself and fighting myself so much that I needed to get to a place where I could radically accept myself with, as my mentor would say, with warts and all, right? Regardless of the good things, the the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between, right? That's unconditional love that that I learned on that day when my mentor would say, hey, you've got this with your head, you got to get in your heart and way down deep in your guts. On that day when my intuition spoke to me, and intuition can mean to be taught from within, like we pay for teaching, we're paying tuition, right? Intuition can mean to be taught from within. I think I got that from Florence Scovel Shin, right? uh, The manifester, you know? So, but, but my intuition spoke to me and, and, um, and, and that's where I learned how to um, love myself unconditionally. I wasn't just not judging myself. I was learning how to love myself unconditionally. Right. So that's that radical acceptance of self. Then the second one is radical acceptance of situations. Sometimes we get into these places where, you know, maybe we're un, we're unhappy with the job that we're in or we're unhappy with the relationship that we're in or whatever, whatever it might be. And there's always things that we can change, but then there's also things that are completely out of our control that we might not be able to change like right now at, at this moment. And that's when we need this this bit of of uh, radical acceptance of situation, right? Mm-hmm. And this um, 
one of my favorite teachers, her name is Byron Katie. She has this book called uh, Loving What Is. And I'll just think about the title of that book, right? <laughs> Loving What Is. Most of us spend so much time fighting against what is. And she says about reality, she says, whenever you get into a fight with reality, you always lose, uh, you only you only lose 100% of the time. Right. Yeah, yeah I have <laughs> right. heard reality. I know. What's I, that? I've heard that before, and I'm very familiar with Byron Katie. Um, <laughs> I love it. And I think what I'm, as I'm listening to you talking about radical acceptance of situation, Curtis, is making me think of a lot of the work that I do around the self-leadership space. Mm. And I talk a lot about choice. And mm -hmm. what I say with regards to that is that we may not have an actual choice about the situation we find ourselves in, but we right. always have a choice about how we respond to or feel about that situation. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that that reminds me of something that I constant that I constantly share with people that that brings them back into alignment very quickly. There's a there's a quote from Epictetus, a ph philosopher for, from thousands of years ago, but he basically has this line where he says where he says, it's not what happens to us that disturbs us most. It's our thoughts about what happens to us yes. that disturbs us most, right? Yes. And what I hear from, from that um, is that you could have 10 people who have gone through the same traumatic experience, right? And five out, five out of those 10 come out more loving, come out more resilient, come out more kind, come out more positive, come out more encouraging and all these things while the other five come out like I was in the early part of my life, come out more depressed, come out more less resilient, less loving, less kind, you know, all, all these different things. And so what Epictetus is saying is that if five people could actually get better from this experience, then it can't be the event itself that's right. disturbing us the most. It has to be the way that we're thinking about the event that's disturbing okay. us, the most, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the. Yeah. Go ahead. Second. No, I was going to say that's the second. Tell yes, us the third. Yeah. So that, that's the second one is radical um, acceptance of situation, and then the third one is radical acceptance of others, and <clears throat> this radical acceptance of others. You know, this kind of has two tiers because if all you do is accept people. Um, like there's two tiers here because there's people who love you and respect you and who are not trying to walk all over you and all these things, but they're just, they just do things a bit different from you. And if you can practice this radical acceptance of others, what ends up happening is it takes a ton of stress off of you or off of me because I'm not constantly having to police these other people in my life and trying to fix them all the time, right? It takes a ton of pressure off of them because they don't feel like they're constantly being judged. They don't feel like they're constantly being, um, you know, repulsed um, by, by, by my judgments and all these things. And, and then it takes a ton of pressure off of the relationship so that the relationship can, can thrive, right? A lot of times we feel like you've been in situations where you felt like somebody was constantly picking at you or constantly judging you, right? What yeah. did it make you do? No one. I don't think anyone could say they have it. But yeah, we right. have to question what's wrong with me is one thing I right. think that comes up. Yeah. A big yeah. one that comes up. And then it's like, well, why are they being nasty to me? Like all of these yeah. kind of questions. But yes. me, me, right? We focus yeah. on self. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It puts us into fight or flight mode. And nobody can really have a good relationship with us while they're running away from us or trying to fight us, mm -hmm. right? So when we when we relieve our the other person of all of our hey trying to constantly fix them and and stuff like that it it just frees up so much space for the relationship to be what it what it could be. So those are for people who love us but are just a little bit different. But then if that's all we do, the other people, people who would either abuse us or don't have the ability or the um or the willing the the willingness or the desire to treat us right, those those people, they'll just walk all over us, right? And so for those people, we have to accept them in a different way. We have to accept them from a distance. And this is where, you know, Maya Angelou spoke to, to, to Oprah and she said, you know, she said, um, when people show you who they are, believe them. That's the first time, right? Yes. Yes. And, and yeah. So, you know, this is this opportunity for us to say, you know, I'm I'm going to allow you to do what you're doing, but I'm not going to allow you to do it here. I'm going to put up a, a a a 
physical boundary to say, you're going to have to do that over there. I'm going to accept that that's who you are. I'm not going to try and change you. I'm just going to let you do it over there and not over here. And then we got to put up an emotional boundary around our mind. And this is where I have very strong language, but I basically tell people, don't let people who fuck with your mind enter into the door mm -hmm. of your mind. Because, you know, that's that free rent that we let these people, they could be far removed from our life. And it, it does no good putting up a physical boundary to separate people from our life if we're just going to let them live in our mind. Right. Yeah. Because right. That's, yeah. they're living <laughs> internally within us. They may yeah. as well, you know, with us in the physical space. And yeah. this is making me think of the number of, conversations I've had, the things I've observed, the things I've listened to over the years around mm -hmm. comparison and Ooh. how many, particularly in the business space, I think I see it accelerated far more than in the general world, you know, with friends and connections I have that are not in business. Yes. A huge impact that comparison can have that mm -hmm. leads to self-judgment, to self-criticism, to so many other things that I would, I often would refer to as the unhealthy ways yes. trying to exist in the world yes um, and that's that's that living letting others live inside you right living yes. in your mind living in your voice <laughs> embodying what you think is going on for them or what you think they mean by what they say or share yes then judging yourself often way too harshly and inappropriately in yes. you know against what you think somebody else's benchmark is yeah, yeah. And Byron Katie has a, an incredible tool on that very thing, because she says there's three kinds of business. There's my business, which is anything that I think, say or do. There's other people's business, which is anything that they think, say or do. And then there's the universe's business, which is anything that's out of human control. Right. And she's basically saying what she's saying is we can eliminate two thirds because we got three kinds of business. We right. can eliminate two thirds of any all of our mental stress if we simply choose to focus on the only business that is actually in our control which is my yeah, business right which right? is ours. yeah right and just imagine if you could, right imagine if we could wake up tomorrow and two-thirds of all of the comparison let's use your words right all the comparison or all of the mental baggage around the the universe's business or around other people's business was just gone i know right? How so much, much less stress. Know, right? I'm just thinking like the world would literally transform. And yet it, we, we have the answer, like you've just shared right. it. You right. know? There, there's right. so many incredible teachers out there who are sharing <laughs> this in a simple way that we can all grasp. And yet right. many of us are caught up in so much of the other businesses that yes. we can't, I think it's like we can't see, like the light is not shining bright enough on the clear. Here's the answer. Yes. It's just simple. Because yes. so much of the other stuff getting in the way, right? Exactly. Oh, exactly. So interesting. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Now, <laughs> we need to talk about your book, of which, because you're such a beautiful, generous soul, I have a copy. <laughs> you <just laughs> me one. And I have, I have read it, but I read it very fast. And okay. it's like a, I'm coming back to this to really digest it in a different way. So that is coming up for me. I've got a little bit of time off coming up soon. Okay. Thank you so much for reading that. Oh, is it? Oh, you sent it to me. How could I not read it? I'm <laughs> so grateful. You know, getting a parcel in the post all the way from the US, and you know, when Curtis sent this to me a little while ago, he didn't. You didn't. I don't think you told me exactly what you were sending. You're just like, I've got something I want to send you, and it'll kind of make sense when it arrives. Yes, yes, because because I saw your title. She leads. She thrives. Yeah, and it just hit me. It was like I've written a book around that title. You know, yeah. that is very much in congruence with with that title, you know, and I said, I want to send this book to Shannon. And, you know, it was it was Women's Month. And, you know, I've just got I've got I've got a handful of inspiring coaches like you that I've been following for years. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to send a couple of these books out and you were one of the people. And I just said, I'm going to send Shannon a book. And yeah. and it really just it really just um you know, that title, She Leads, She Thrives, it, it's so much in alignment with my book because my book is about this about this guy who is so depressed that he's on his on his way to the bridge, um, you know, to to take his life, um, you know, and um, when the book opens. 
And, and, you know, as he's on his way and he quits his job and he's written this letter to his family and, and all these things. And as he's on his way to the bridge, um, you know, all these mysterious things start happening to him that he just can't explain. And he doesn't know, you know, and these things start leading him on this journey of self-discovery, but he bumps into this mysterious gypsy woman and she is not, she's very live and let live. She's not trying to keep him from going to the bridge or anything like that, but she really just wants to connect with him. She connects with him very well. She understands what he's going through and she just wants to show him how the world works and how, and how he can follow his, how he can follow his dream um, in a way that is not, um, that is not overwhelming for him because right now his dream is so big. He feels so out of touch with it that, yeah. that, that he just doesn't feel like it's at all possible. And it's become a source of, uh, of um, putting himself down really, you know, he just does not know how to live out what, what he wants to do. Um, and, and all these things, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. I love it. Uh, so the book is entitled Guru in the Glass. And so what led you to decide you were going to write a book? Like I know what my author story was. I kind of knew from little, like I used to make books yes. when I was a child. So yes. becoming an author kind of felt inevitable. But, you know, at what point did you go, I've got a book here and I, I'm going to cre create this and publish it and have it I have no idea. I have no okay. idea why. But when I was depressed at school the first time, I didn't have any direction in my life, but I had started writing some poetry that that really intrigued me and stuff like that. And I told my friends, I don't know why I told my friends this, but I, I had told them, you know what, I'm not ready yet, but maybe 10 years from now, I would love to write a book one day. Oh, okay. And so, you know, and then I dropped out of school and then and then I went into the military and and uh, there was this guy out on the ship and he and he, um, you know, he shared a, a like a slam poem with me and it really inspired me I said man why did I ever stop writing so I just started writing again and before you know it like people are inviting me to come and speak and and all these different things and people started saying hey you should you should compile some of your writings and and put them in a book and I was like ah. yeah I didn't think anything of it but then eventually I did <clears throat> excuse me eventually I did and I got a couple of artists and and things like that but but on as as I was preparing that day, I was uh, as I, I was preparing for my first book signing, I, I thought back about what I was going to I was thinking about what I was going to write. And, and I thought back, oh, my God, 10 years ago, I told my friends that I was going to write a book 10 years from now. Right. And so that was the first book. And then this book right here, I said almost the same thing. I said, you know, I'm not ready to write a novel, but I really want to write a novel kind of like in the spirit of the alchemist, um, you know, kind of like a with a mentor and a, a guru who like understands manifestation and and all of these things. And and I said, I'm not ready yet, but I would love to do that. So. Fast forward. This is crazy, Shannon. Are you, you ready for this? this I am. I love your story. So bring it on. Okay. Okay. This is what happened. I had just read The Secret and I was in California. I was working in a hospital, coaching people through emotional issues all over the hospital. And, and um, I read The Secret and in The Secret, it said, if, if you want to do something that seems impossible to you, you need to visualize your goal as if it's already been achieved. And I, and they said, you know, Come up with what it is that you want to do in the world. And if it seems impossible, then this is what you need to do. And I told, I went, I told my wife, I said, you know, I want to be a coach. I want to be an author and I want to be a speaker. Right. And she's like, just thinking rationally. And she's like, you know, we like, we've just finished school. We just got these jobs and all this, like, this is not going to happen. So what she actually said to me was, she said, well, when we hit the lottery, you can do that. You can do right? that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you know, she's just being practical. She's, yeah. She wasn't trying to be mean or, or anything like that, right? And so I said, okay, this is my time that I'm going to try this secret. I've, I've done it with small things, but I want to manifest something big. So I started visualizing myself sitting down with my boss and having a conversation while I was handing her my resignation papers. Wow. <laughs> and I was getting myself six months to do this, right? And so it wasn't about the, the resignation. I could have quit my job at any time. It wasn't about that. It was about our family having enough money for me to be able to quit my job, mm -hmm. right? So I visualized this scene 
for about two months. And then I said, okay, that's enough. I, I don't want to do that anymore. Like I put in the time. I like, I don't need to fret about it. I'm ready to release this and let it go and just do my life. Things started changing so fast um, because I was supposed to go back into the Navy with a six figure position. And I was having some changes around that, that got pushed off of the table table, even though I had been working on that for 10 years and all that. And I'm like, man, what is going on? I know I didn't do anything wrong. Like what's, what's happening. And then the, that was in the fall of 2016, six months later in the two, in t- the spring of 2017 in May, I had a dream one night that I was on this massive Navy ship and I was being asked to leap off of this ship. This was probably like, you know, let's say four stories high right into the water. In the dream, I knew that I was going to make this leap, but there was something in the water, like a big piece of metal. And I didn't want to hit that on the way down. And so when I woke up from this dream, I woke up so electrified from this dream that I said to my wife, I said, Hannah, we have a massive shift coming. And the first thing she says to me, because she knows how idealistic I can be, she (laughs) says to me, please don't quit your job. (laughs) And I said to her, listen, I would never do anything that would put our family in jeopardy. I'm just saying I've had dreams like this before, and I know that something awesome is about to happen. She says to me, okay, well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Later, right? Two weeks later, she gets a job opportunity on the other side of the country in Virginia Beach. We were in Long Beach, California, in Virginia Beach. She gets a job on the other side of the country, making double anything that she could have made in California, right? And because the cost of living was so much lower in Virginia Beach than where we were, it was like we had hit the lottery. Yeah. I've got goosebumps listening, Curtis. Right? (laughs) So look, so look, right? So I said, listen, if you don't want this job, you don't have to take it. Of course, I want you to take it because it will give us, a, it will give me an opportunity to work on my business and all that. But but if it's not a good fit for you, then don't take it. You know, you got to do what's best for, for your career. And she comes back to me and she, 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 I mean, she says, let me go think about it. And then whatever, right? So a, a week or two later, she comes back to me. She says, Curtis, had you not told me about your dream and been so solid on your intuition, then I would have said, there's no way that we're moving across the country while I'm seven months pregnant. Oh, wow. However, because you told me about your dream and because you were so solid on your intuition, not only am I going to take this job. But if you would like to use this time to build your business um, and write your book, I'm going to give you two years off of working so that you can do that. Because another thing that they had said was they were going to give her paid maternity leave, right? Which a lot of women don't get until they've been at a certain place for for. Yes. Um, yeah, they were paying yeah. for us to move across the country. They were they were t- took care of everything, right? As we were driving across the country, we stopped at her brother-in-law's house in New Mexico. And I had another dream that night. And that dream became, was, I woke up so electrified from that dream that I said, this is amazing. It was the exact dream that Skylar had in the book. There you go. Right. <laughs> right. And so, so, so I didn't know. So I, I, I didn't know that I was going to be writing this book. I was writing a self-help book on manifestation. And when I got to the end of the book, I, I said, okay, let me go back to the beginning to put a little five minute story on, on this to, to show my readers what I'm talking about. When I started writing this five minute introduction, I couldn't stop writing. And I, I had I got to this point where I was like, hold on, is, is this going to be a, a, a self-help book or is this going to be a novel? And I said, I'm going to this is I'm going to turn this into a novel. This is going to be my first novel. That was almost 10 years to the day that I had said I want to write a novel in 10 years. There you go. There you go. So with all that in mind, I love these stories. And for any of you that are listening in, if you're not already following Curtis, just follow him for the stories he shares like this because <laughs> one of the manifesting stories that come to life in your family. It's not just you. It's, you know, it's extended to yes. your, you know, your wife and the kids, which I love as well. Um, but every time I invite someone to come and be a guest on the show, I ask them to share. Well, I always say that the question I think is like, if I were to ask someone who knows you well, 
to kind of tell me a bit about you, what would they say? What would they share? And your answer to this, which I love and just kind of reinforces what you've already talked about, is manifesting magic. Yeah, that, that's what people say magic. about you. And then you went on to say that this got me on Oprah's website and Cosmo's top 100 quotes. So tell yeah. us how that came to be because I think it's only more recently that I've seen you sharing the examples of the, you know, where you pop up, <laughs> you've popped up on different quotes on quite significant platforms, right? Yes. And yes, I see yes. sitting on the other side of the world going, how did he do that? Like, what? <laughs> like, I've been writing, I've been publishing books, I've been creating content for years, and I don't get quoted like that. Like, what? You know, tell us yes. a bit about those stories to yes. manifesting magic. Yes. So, with this, with a lot of the manifesting magic, stuff a lot of that's what people would definitely say about me because like these things just come up in in my life that we I just can't explain I mean I'll I'll give you one example that this will this will this will this will with my daughter okay mm. so my daughter was my daughter was about five she was five years old she was sleeping in another room with a sound machine on my wife had just taken a, a pregnancy test Okay, my wife just took a pregnancy test and we found out that my wife was pregnant. We yes. both said, whispering, whispering to each other, we're not going to tell Jada about this because once Jada knows, everyone's going to Everyone know. Everyone will know. <laughs> right. So she's sleeping in another room with the sound machine on. There's no way that she could hear us. Right. Okay. The very next day, we're sitting in Panda Express eating lunch. And my, my daughter is sitting on my wife's lap and she turns around. And she says, mommy, I can feel the baby in your tummy. That's crazy. Yeah. And there's fun. no baby to feel at that, at that I point. Know, there's I no, know. I mean, but we're also, talking about the tip of a, of a ballpoint yeah. pen. Like there's no baby there. And she didn't reach out her hand and she wasn't being playful or anything like that. She just said it and she went back to eating her lunch. And we didn't even tell her that she was right because we had already said. We're not <laughs> telling her. Right? Right. Yeah. We, and and so a couple of days later, I was talking. Uh, we I, I was talking to my mom about what happened in Panda Express, and and my mom obviously my mom's really excited. And my daughter overheard the conversation, and she said she looked up at Hannah and she says, "Mommy, I told you." <laughs> I love it. That's gorgeous. But yeah, again, what did you say? You don't necessarily expect from a five-year-old either. <laughs> right. And, you know, my, my wife chalks it up to, you know, they haven't been socialized yet. So they're really in tune with who they are. And they're really into mm -hmm. they They haven't been socialized not to say things like that. So, you know, they just speak from their intuition and they speak from they speak from their heart and they speak from their gut. And and that's what she did. And this was the third time that my daughter had done something like this, where it was just so mind boggling. And it was like, how could she possibly know that? There's no way that she could know that. But we have these stories happen around us all the time. So to get to the next point, which is the quotes, um, there was a time in my life where I felt like, OK, I've written I've written um I've written a book or a, I've written one, one or two books and I wanted to know, like, I, I felt like I needed to have a greater impact. And so I know I wasn't really into a ton of manifesting, but, but there was some things that had really stood out to me. And so, and so I started saying this mantra to myself. I started saying this mantra to myself where I said, the universe is peppering the earth with my words. Oh, and I just started saying that over and, and over, it was. over. Right, <laughs> and it right. Was. I just started saying the universe is peppering the earth with my words, right? It's peppering the earth with my words. And I and I did that for for I don't remember how long, how long I did it. But within time, um, like I would just check up on Google and I would check up on on different social media sites, I would just put in my name or I put in my name in quotes like on the internet and then in social media, I would just put in my name and people that I had no idea who these people were, but these people just started quoting me. And, and I'm wondering, and I'm wondering like, like what, what is going on and, and, and all these, all these different things. And then who got it first? Like the first big company was like Cosmo, Cosmo, I think. And then when they quoted me, then Yahoo News took their same article and then posted it as their own. 
Okay. And, and then, and then I, I don't remember you, you named all of them, but you know, there's yeah. like gold cast now, like a month ago, Oprah, Parade Magazine and Goldcast all yeah. within the span of like three weeks. And That's I was like, what I, I think happening? I saw you share that. You're like, I don't know what's going on, but clearly you had put a clear intention out into the universe <laughs> and repeated that. Yes. Yeah. Now, and now I was, there's thousands of them. I can't even keep up with them. There's, there's so many quotes like every day I would say across all platforms, another 10 to 15, you know, five to 10 to 15 quotes every single day are popping up. I, there's so many, like when I found out about the Goldcast one, it was from 2020. <laughs> I just found that out a month ago yeah. and that was from all the way back in 2020. I had no idea because there's so many of them. I can't even keep up with them. I love that. I think there's two things that jump to mind here. Firstly, we all do it, but I think don't ever not share it. Google yourself and see what's out there about you. Exactly. You'll do that just to get curious. But yes. don't do it to look for your website and things. Like As Curtis said, put in your own quote or quotes as well and yes. see what comes up. And, yeah, to dare to believe in whatever, you know, yes. whatever, whatever word you want to use. Um, yes. In you have seen me share a lot about the Tri-Factor Framework, which is the archetype framework that I created what, 14 or so years ago now yes. using my work with women. And there is one of the 12 archetypes that we call the shapeshifter alchemist, mm. which makes sense to you, I think. I love that. It's also yes. the archetype that is the what I refer to her as the master manifester. And okay. I'm always talking to the women that have that archetype because it's a female-centric framework it still would apply. Men would still have these archetypes. I just only use them sure. in female sure. sense. Um, but I'm always saying to them, be very conscious and considered about your thoughts, your words, your feelings, and your actions, because they will become your reality like a lightning speed. Mm. Yeah. And every shapeshifter alchemist says to me, yeah, I know that. And they often will then regale the stories of where things they've manifested that they didn't actually want. Yeah, but they put a lot of, again, mental like attention, feelings, yes. attention, you know, yes. through to embodying what they didn't want. And, of course, that's yes. their reality. So mm -hmm. yeah, you're just mm -hmm. doing it in a different kind of way. But I would suggest that yes. you have the shapeshifter alchemist and particularly <laughs> the stories I've heard you share about your daughter, Jada. I think that would be highly likely one of the archetypes she would have as well. So Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just natural. It's just natural for her, yeah. you know. And that's it. For some people, <laughs> it just is. And when I teach the archetypes, there's all 12 of them on a bigger platform to a larger audience. Yes. I usually just to introduce them at very high level. Mm -hmm. The shapeshifter alchemist is the one that when women don't recognize that in themselves, they want that. It's like the one archetype that has envy because <laughs> they mm -hmm. hear about the manifesting ability. Mm -hmm. And they ever conceive that that could also mean manifesting things that perhaps you don't want to have mm -hmm. as a experience. Talk to me a little bit about the shapeshifter. So the shapeshifter talks to the reality that this is an archetype that is very fluid and flexible. It's a chameleon energy of being able to go with the flow, chop and change. And if, again, I think about you and all the different kind of iterations of who you've been over the years, that's very shapeshifter. Yes. Uh, yeah? yeah, very much, very yeah. much. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That and then. Yeah, you get the alchemist bit, you know, that yes. being able to turn things of seemingly or perceived little to no value into incredible value and wealth. And we're not just talking money wealth either. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, but that's manifesting really through the yes. lot of us. Yeah. And, and this leads back again to Zenith in my book. She's very much a shapeshifter yes. manifester and she wants to coach Skylar in how to, how to use his manifesting abilities because yeah. they're really dormant in him and they're they're there because you know he's he's dreaming but he doesn't know how he doesn't know how to manage them and i know when i was really depressed some of these little things would start happening like this that mm -hmm. i would say that is extremely odd and it would just scare the shit out of me yeah, yeah, seriously yeah. like i just didn't know i didn't know like now it, it excites me and and it's beautiful but back then i didn't know what was happening and i was like there's no way that's a coincidence that is amazing but I don't understand how that happened. And it was really scary for me. Yes. So to be able to get into a place where I can now embrace, embrace my gifts and, and embrace kind of this, uh, you know, this kind of magical side of me 
um, you know, it's really been a transformation um, to be able to get to this place, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Um, I want to get to some questions to wrap up, but again, at the same time, I want to keep going with that conversation. We've got something to talk about. <laughs> but one other archetype that stands out for me that 100%, you, you have it, it's very clear in your energy, Curtis, and also shows up in your book in both characters is the mental mm. teacher which is one mm. archetype well, I've got four archetypes in my throw factor profile and that's one of mine it's mm. the individual that thrives on gathering knowledge on learning uh, from a, a learned experience but also values their lived experience and can yes. understand the gift the value the magic if you like to use that word we've been using of wisdom which is yes. more than our learned experience yeah. Oh, it's it's a beautiful it's such a beautiful concept. I have this one one of these lines that says sometimes we need a wise guide to peel back the ceilings of our lives to remind us that infinity never places any limits on our skies. Yeah. Beautiful. Right. Right. And so like sometimes we feel very caged in and we need someone that can who understands what it feels like to be caged in. Like there's a famous poet poet. Um, he's a mystical poet named Hafiz, and, mm. and Hafiz has this poet has this poem where he says um, where he says um, he talks about it, it's called um, drop it's called dropping keys, and he basically says the small man builds cages for everyone he knows or she knows, right? Yeah. Um, but the sage who has to duck his head or who has to duck her head when the moon is low, like this person is not small at all. They're so big that they might bump their head on the moon, you yeah. know, when the moon is low, right? And so he says, uh, um, this person keeps dropping keys all night long for all of the beautiful, rowdy prisoners, right? Oh, and this is, isn't cool. that beautiful? Yeah. Isn't that beautiful, right? It's just this picture of this this comparison of a small man who's constantly putting people in cages and making people feel small because probably he's been made to feel small throughout mm -hmm. his life. Hurt people, hurt people. But then there's a that's contrasted with this other part of humanity who is constantly who is very big and who's very large and very expressive and wants to do nothing else but give people the keys and the wisdom and the mentorship and all of these things mm. to be, to liberate themselves. And so that's why I say sometimes we need a wise guide to peel yeah. back the ceilings of our lives to remind us that infinity never places any limits on our skies. Love it. We might have to use that quote. <laughs> so many things, so many things we can quote. Okay, I have a couple of questions I'm going to ask you now that I ask every one of our guests that come on okay. to just to bring okay. it back into the focus of leadership and thriving, we've talked a lot yes. about those things anyway, those, those yes. realities. So, Curtis, in, in a kind of a succinct way, if you can share with us what role leadership plays in your life and business. Mm, wow, that is powerful. What role leadership plays in my life and business? Well, one of my favorite leadership quotes is by Lao Tzu, who wrote the Tao, yeah. And he has this line where he says, all, all streams flow to the sea because it is below them. If you want to lead the people, you must learn how to follow the people. If you want to govern the people, you must learn how to put yourself below them, right? Mm -hmm. And so my form of leadership, uh, uh, I, a lot of times people look at me and they say, oh, this guy's a natural leader. I, I, when I was in the military, they thought, they looked at me, they completely judged me, said, oh, this guy's a natural leader and all these things. They put me in this place. I said, listen, you don't want to do that because that's not <laughs> the kind of leader that I am. By the end of the day, Shannon, they had me out of that role. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> because that's not my, my uh, leadership is not authoritative at all. It's very much like Lao Tzu said, it is one that comes from below and encourages people and lifts them up, mm -hmm. uh, identifies with people where they're at and identifies uh, and then lifts them up. A doctor came to me when I was still working in the hospital and he said, and, and, um, and I was working on the addictions unit and the psychiatric unit at that time. And he came to me and he said, Curtis, I'd like to speak with you. And I said, uh oh, what did I do? What's going on? Right. And, and he said to me, he said to me, I had just gotten done talking with someone who had come in with a very bad addiction problem. Mm. And he says to me, he says to me, um, 
Curtis, I just want you to know, keep doing what you're doing because you're getting through to a lot of the a lot of the patients that we're having a very hard time getting through to. Shannon, on that day, I decided that I was going to start my own business. Yeah, good. Because it was the validation that I needed from somebody who knew what they were talking about that said, you're doing, you know how you know what you're doing. Yeah. And I had always had, you know, my, my wife is a psychologist and I had always, even when I got in business, I always had this shadow um, thought about, you know, I'm not a psychologist. So do I have the right to be doing these things that I'm, that I'm doing, but yeah, this is the leadership that, uh, that is made for me is the kind that comes from below and then lifts and then lifts people up. Yeah. Beautiful. Love it. I am um, thinking that by the time we come to our one year in the, which will be early October 2023, uh-huh. which hopefully this yes. episode will be before that, we're going to do a mashup of all the answers to these questions to get the, <laughs> the variety, similarities, but variety of all the answers. Yeah. So amazing. So the next question I'd love to know your answer to now is how do you know when you're thriving? Oh, that is a great question. Mm. Um, I think I think we know when we're thriving when we feel, I'll, I'll use Abraham Hicks language here, when we feel to, uh, tapped in, tuned in, and turned on, right? Um, when we, you know, and that can be in any area of, a, in, in any area of our, our, of our lives. In some areas, we might not feel, we might feel more tapped in and tuned in. But the reality is, and w- one thing that I've been learning is that we have access what whatever area it is it's in whether it's in our personal life whether it's in our professional life whether it's in um um you know you know family friendships you know um you know parenting all these all these different roles there's a place inside of us where we have to go to thrive first and obviously you know we can learn from mentors that they're obviously very helpful they're obviously very helpful but I think a mentor's job is to teach us how to access these these powers and this magic and, and these things inside of us. But that I think that's where it starts is learning how to tune in to this feeling of being tuned in, tapped, tapped in and turned on in all of these various aspects in our life. When I feel when I'm thriving. I'm I'm all lit. I'm all lit up. Yeah, I'm all lit up, right? Like, um, and the best way I I can say it is, we light up around anyone who makes us feel screwed in to the universe, just like a light bulb. Like when we feel tapped into the universe, we we light up like the sun. Yeah, right. right. And so, yeah, that that's that's the best I can say about that. Awesome. <laughs> okay, couple more things before we wrap up. Uh, how can people connect with you the easiest? Like where's the place to go and find you? And we will share any links that you share with us sure. in our show notes, but if you can tell everyone so they can go. Sure. And so the yeah. best place, yeah, the, the best place to link up with me is on Facebook. That's where I'm, that's where I'm most active. If you just put in Curtis Tyrone Jones, that's the easiest way to, yeah. to find me. There's not a lot of Curtis Tyrone Joneses out there. So, and then, and then on Instagram as well, those are the places that I'm most active, but definitely Facebook. I'm, I'm, I'm most active. Yeah, yeah. Fabulous. Thank you. And I can attest to that because I see all of your <laughs> stories and yep. uh, you may have picked this up listening to Curtis today. He's a natural cheerleader. Like that's something else that I, I really appreciate about you is how genuine you are in supporting others and being appreciative when others support you. Yeah. It's like a beautiful mm-hmm. flow that I see. Yes. Again, sometimes you can, you see people, you know, cheering others on and saying, thank you. But with you, when I see you doing it and read you doing that, Curtis, it feels different. It feels more genuine. Like in a in what way? In way. what way? I don't know. It's not that I feel like others are doing it superficially, but mm-hmm. it just feels like it, it's it's like you. There's more heart and soul in in it mm. when it, mm. you're doing it. Yeah. Does yeah. That make sense? yeah. I think that probably taps back into what I said about Lao Tzu. I love coming from beneath. Mm-hmm people and lifting them up and just cheering them on i i love people first of all i love people seeing people do awesome things and people's stories where they're blowing my mind with something awesome that they're doing i'm gonna celebrate them because and you because do. you know it's powerful yeah, yeah it's powerful abundantly which is so appreciated and okay last question put you in the spot here 
What's okay. one final piece of wisdom to share with the ambitious souls that are, you know, the kind of people that I imagine are listening and we created this podcast and these conversations for, they're ambitious, they're wise, they want mm. to make an impact in the world, they want to do it with heart and soul. So what's mm. one final piece of wisdom based on your incredible lifetime that you mm. could share with them to take away today? Mm. What Whatever whatever you do, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I love my quotes, so I'm going to share a quote, right? <laughs> don't ask what the world, this is by Howard Thurman. It says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask yourself, what makes me come alive? And then go and do that. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. Aww. Right? Don't ask, don't ask what the world needs. Ask yourself, what makes me come alive? And then go and do that. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. And so what I would say is really um, um, there is um, don't put off your emotional well-being. Don't put off your happiness. Don't don't give in to other people's pressures about what you should do with your life, societal pressures, family pressures, all of those things. What are the things that light your soul up and make you come alive? What are the things that make you happy, make you feel tuned in, make you feel alive and make you feel empowered? Those do 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 those things because we'll see it and we'll love it and it will it will light us up too. That's it. You can feel it, can't you? Like it's a, a thing that you can't well, I know for me, I can't help but respond to that kind yeah. of energy people. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Oh, I could talk to you for a lot longer. Maybe we'll do this again another time. But for today, All we right. wrap up for now. So thank you so much, Curtis, for saying yes when I reached out and said, yes. on the podcast. I think you were a bit shocked, weren't you, at first? Like, I really? was. I was definitely shocked. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I mean oh. to be the, the first and the only male so far to be yeah. invited on the show, that, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. I don't take it for granted. I just no, want to say a thousand thanks to you for for having me here i feel honored to be here oh my my pleasure and this is why because it's so genuine how you feel like you feel honored and appreciative that it was yeah. a neat thing for me to reach out and say curtis come and have a chat with me on she leads she thrives <laughs> i love it so listeners thank you for tuning in today and i hope that you have got I'm sure one, but many pieces of inspiration you can take from listening to what Curtis has shared with us today and the conversation we've created for you. If you have been interested, go and follow him. So I've said, like, I, I kind of like, oh, what's Curtis going to share with us today? What story? What magic story? And again, if you someone who doesn't believe in magic, you will after you spend time in Curtis as well. <laughs> I love it. So thank you, everyone. Thank you again, Curtis. I look forward to being back with a new episode in your ears very soon. Have an amazing day wherever you are in the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. You are so valued and appreciated. Aside from this podcast, my favorite place to hang out online is definitely Instagram. So come and join me, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. And no, my DMs are always open for genuine questions and connections. For all the latest Thrifactor goodness, visit thrifactorco.com forward slash links where you'll find more about thriving in life and business. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show and share it with your friends. Let's amplify thriving the world over. 